You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome, welcome to the third episode of Can We Talk? I'm here with my panelists. I have Darcel Brown, Brian Edwards, and Donovan McKinney. How y'all doing today? Good, I'm brother. Good, good. Good. Yeah, it's been a crazy week, man. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. it's, it's been an event. I'm, I'm stressed out this week, man. There's, there's so many things going on. Definitely. So many th- in terms of current events and politics, man. Um, today, I kind of want to talk about that the executive order that Donald Trump passed uh, <laughs> in terms of the Muslim ban. What did oh, y'all think God. about that? You know, I, you know, it, in in some ways, you know, it's it's a weird place to be, you know, mentally to see this actually kind of unfold because mm-hmm. you know, it's not like this is like a new concept, right? You know, that has really kind of entered our, you know, and and I guess you know from that standpoint, you know, I've I almost thought that you know this whole Donald Trump thing, like in the this this whole this whole election cycle, you know, leading to the result and leading to where we are now has just been like a. No, no, that's not going to happen. Can't no, believe this. Can't, no, this, <laughs> right. is, this is ridiculous. Like at yeah. some point, you know, justice and like integrity will prevail and like we'll be, you know, in a good place. But it seems like, you know, now it's just like you have you're having this nightmare and you're just like, I'm just going to wake up like any minute mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's here. You know, man, it's, it's rough. It's one of those things where um, any moral person who is in sound mind, they don't think this is a good idea. This is. um clear and blatant discrimination. Um, And I know there's there's been a lot of talk about, oh, we're going to choose those countries that um, have high number of terrorists. But the the countries that really had terrorists who actually killed people weren't on the list. (laughs) And so so it was really interesting. It's like, what are we believing? What's to believe? What's what's real? Um, In terms of you guys, how do you think this is going to affect our relationships with the world? To be honest... I'm not sure how this is going to play out on the on the world scene, but uh, I do feel like Trump is doing something that everybody criticized uh, Obama for, which is not standing up <laughs> for mm-hmm. what is called American values. I don't know how we yeah. define American values these days, yeah. um, but uh, Trump is playing to um, his his polarizing. A team and support system, um, just like he did in inauguration. That's mm-hmm. that's his speech was tailored towards his whole support base, right. and um, which is a populist system, um, and it's not speaking to America as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you know, just take Muslims for example. This whole Muslim ban, um, there are you know, Muslim is not an ethnicity; it's not a nationality. Right. Um, there's so many that makes up like so many colors that make up. Uh, Muslims, right? You right. know, there's blacks. I know a few whites that are Muslim, um, but w- I mean, this is an attack on, I guess, I would say, uh, religion, mm-hmm. which is something absurd. And you know, um, I've been reading a lot about Trump. Um, I've been reading about a lot about his family, mm-hmm. and um, they're very heavily Zionist. Mm-hmm. Um, they support the Jewish state mm-hmm. on what's going on in Israel versus yeah. you know Palestinians, the Palestinians versus the Jews, and yeah. it's it's a shame because um, we don't know who's the chosen people. We don't know mm-hmm. uh, what the situations over there, but America has a lot of influence, and just because he makes that stance, um, it it, sh- it shows his strength in a way, but it also shows that uh, he's going to be a polarizing force to be reckoned Definitely. with. And uh, we need to get ready. <laughs> what you think, Darcel? Well, it's definitely a very interesting uh, thing that's going on that, I mean, just a week into his presidency, he's already abusing so much power at like literally at the at the stroke of a pen mm. to really affect like thousands of lives of individuals, not only that he perceives as the enemy, but individuals who have helped the U.S. in a multitude of ways. So right. it's really crazy to see like, an individual who was doing services for the United States um, and they were told that they could be a legal U.S. citizen, that they could have a home and, you know, have a prosperous like area to live in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, escaping probably refuge from one of those difficult countries that they state. Right. And they go home to be able to give money back to their family because they're doing work on a visa. And then all of a sudden the next day they're like, you can't get on this plane because you mm-hmm. look like this or you are affiliated with this. 
Like that is that's just a shocker, you know. And it, yeah. it's, it's it's definitely just like, you know, something. It's just something that small, like literally writing on a piece of paper can affect someone who is a, a like literally escaping trying to save their own life and their families mm-hmm. and you can't because this guy just doesn't like you. Yeah, and it's we need to make sure that Americans in general don't realize or don't connect being Muslim with being a terrorist. Definitely. You know you know terrorists are sometimes cloaked in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and they come from all walks of life, just not Muslim. So it's, it's it does such a disservice to the the Muslim individuals out there who are Great people, God fearing, who love their family, love their their uh, their country, to say that all Muslims, you know, we need to ban individuals from these Muslim countries from entering the United States. Mm-hmm. People just want a, a better life, and this country is built off of immigration. And you know, I'll even take it a step further. You know, from the standpoint of, I don't really think that this is about like people being Muslim. Mm. You know, as much as you know, people would have you, or at least how they would have you think. Right. You know, I think this is really just kind of just isolating the Arab community, you know, and that's a blanket term. Or maybe we're just kind of using semantics to convey that what we're really saying is that we want to isolate, contain Mm -hmm. and, you know, then do whatever we will with these with these um, Arab countries. Because when you think about that in context to, you know, what has been happening in Syria, you know, Mm -hmm. which, you know, has the, the little reporting that has existed on it, you know, has told us quite a bit. You know, you you have the situation where, you know, these people are getting just bombed to hell Mm -hmm. like and no one's really like batting too much of an international eye at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like there's, you know, there's always been kind of like an interest in something that's going on in the Arab community Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the United States all through, you know, not even just with this new thing, like you know, through the last you know, through Obama's presidency to a certain extent and through the Bush presidency, absolutely, that was initiated with mm-hmm. it. Like, there's an interest there. There's a diamond there that somebody wants, you know. And, you know, I think maybe we're seeing that the way to maybe grab that is to isolate them and yeah. completely, like, subjugate them, you mm-hmm. know, to the will of whoever has power. You know, and that's really the saddest thing about it, you know, because these people are just really trying to live. It's true. You know, and, and you, what we're finding, you know, even in America is that, you know, so often— you know, you find yourself in a situation where something is completely outside of your control. Mm-hmm. Like these people who have these shadow interests, you know, mm-hmm. they round you up and they do what, what they will with you for right. something that you'll never really even understand. And that's mm-hmm. the scariest part for me, at least. Yeah. And it, I think that the Trump candidacy, candidacy um, and the presidency plays on people's primal emotions mm-hmm. and primal fears. And it's this assumed notion that this pa- patriotism is being is, is cloaking or disguising the racism that exists. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, I'm for America first, um, you know, make America great again. But what is that saying? Are we, is America not great? Are we not uh, collectively, are we great people to mm-hmm. get together? Um, but it's a sense of, all right, we need to secure our country, but secure from from who? And I think it's always, you can see it in any um, regime, fascist regime, regime, even the Hitler era, it was always blaming others for the problems in the country mm-hmm. and building this sense of, of nationality, um, or nationalism within the uh, the country, and again, isolating those individuals who are different, and then pretty much destroying them, destroying their communities, and you can see that happening now. Now, so it's it's sad. Yeah, we're going back to a, a isolation uh, era where you know war is inevitable, mm. um, and you know, and there, I think I mean reading various books and articles, uh, you can argue that. Uh, the easiest thing to spark an economy mm. um, that's very stagnant. I mean, it's, it's you know, Obama did a great job his last two years with yeah. the economy. Um, and ever since he's been in there, it's been slowly increasing. Mm-hmm. But we're still feeling uh, m- the vast majority of uh, folks who make less than $250,000 a year yeah. are still feeling the effects mm-hmm. um, of this. Uh, you would call, I would say, a recession, depression, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and the easiest thing to spark it, uh, spark this economy, is to go to war. And uh, the military-industrial complex, I mean, if you if you look at most of our government jobs, a lot of them are in military. Yeah. And uh, that's that's really the whole Republican idealism here is uh, go to war. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. attack those that are, you know, that don't want democracy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, unquote. Um, attack anyone that's different from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're going back to that. And it's a very scary thing because um, 
you know, my my grandfather and my grandmother, they lived through some terrible times, just like, you know, I'm sure your ancestors have and, um, you know, generations before us. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking of like the Cold War era, yeah. you know, back in the uh, yeah. 80s uh, with Reagan and, you know, the whole Germany idea and the whole uh, just overseas tearing down that wall mm-hmm. that was supposed to break free um, and, and you know, try to build a bridge between folks. But in reality, America just wants to control everything. Yeah. And um, that's really the reality. And it's a power struggle because people. You know, they they have their own minds, they have their own wants, they have their own desires, their own cultures, their own backgrounds. Um, why are you coming in and forcing it on us? Yeah. And you know, when I've been traveling, and I had opportunity, uh, and I make a plug here, why opportunity as a student at the University of Michigan, <laughs> um, in an Arbor, go blue. Had opportunity to <laughs> study abroad in, in Panama and Costa Rica. Yeah. And I've been at London and and all of these places and and you know Americans are viewed in a certain light. They call us gringos. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know if we go traveling in this area and under Trump presidency within the next four years, I believe um, we're going to be more hated than ever. Yeah. 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 See, the difficult part about that is kind of the uh, piggyback off the Cold War era situation. Mm-hmm. The scary part about that is, is now we're dealing with a lot of countries that have a lot more technological advances now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's definitely a lot more difficult to just impede on someone's area and territory without like a lot of retaliation with a lot of casualties. Mm-hmm. It was kind of different before then because it was like the United States was like so far ahead. But now a lot of these countries are, you know, getting ICBMs and like North Korea is starting to get stuff and like yeah. other countries. So it's not going to be that easy or that simple you know and a part of the executive order was also that he wanted those countries that he isolated those seven mm-hmm. countries to also intel share with uh, a lot of information with the united states and a lot of them were like we don't want that mm-hmm. and the caveat to that was if they don't then he's like well i'm going to continue this ban mm-hmm. which obviously at this point now that they had the habeas corpus and they were like this is unconstitutional i'm pretty yeah. sure it's not going to go that way but that as far as the wave and the trend of these countries how countries and how they perceive us a lot of countries are definitely going to be backing off as far as like countries in the middle east that, uh, middle east that have high population Relations of like Muslim um, individuals in just a lot of areas. I mean, it was even things that were talking about like China and they were saying like it's kind of likely in a practical situation that we could actually go to war with the United States. And that's the article that just came out recently. And that was from a military official with, Mm. you know, China. So, like, you know, we're getting in the hot water right now, and it's, like, a difficult space yeah. because we definitely have someone that does not have any expertise whatsoever in the domestic or international political realm at all. So it's not it's not a fun ride that but, I'm, I'm trying to really see. But the scary thing is that Donald Trump does not believe in consequences. Exactly. He, he constantly does things um, and doesn't realize there's going to be an opposite reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Even with the um, building the wall, he's going to say Mexico's going to pay for it. And Mexico adamantly said they're not going to pay for it. And he proposed even uh, levying a tax, tax, a 20% yeah. tax. Mm-hmm. And um, th- he doesn't realize that that's going to have a, a drastic effect on our economy. We get so many goods from Mexico, from our produce, from our our steel, our metals, our plastics. Mm-hmm. He does not realize that creating a tax on Mexican imports is going to hurt those middle class Americans that he says he's going to fight for. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's like what he goes back and forth for so many issues that you don't really know where he stands and I think a lot of times that's his advantage mm-hmm. because he doesn't have no ground to stand on. So he could just change his mind whenever he wants. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right about that. Like, I think that, you know, one thing to think about with Donald Trump is that, you know, I don't think, you know, it's 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 it, we're, we're dealing with, you know, a you know, Republican Party and, and, you know, an administration that I think really tries to use like psychological tactics like. Mm-hmm. Keeping people confused, keeping right. people unsure about where someone stands, the making a lot, yeah, gaslighting, yeah. you know, making a lot of like weird, kind of like unrelated, kind of, you know, so so you can't. And then I think behind Donald Trump are the true, you know, kind of masters of our fate in this scenario. Like I think that, you know, you have this figurehead, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think that you know I, th- I think it's really important for people, especially who you know, are feeling this type of angst about this election for maybe the first time in their lives. Yeah. You know, because Bush, you know, Bush was bad. And, you know, people, people. But we knew Bush. Though. Well, we he, knew Bush. We're familiar with him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, he was cut from a, from a familiar cloth. Mm. You know, this is something completely different. And mm-hmm. I don't think that, you know, a lot of people have really, you know, maybe since Reagan, 
you know, we haven't really felt that kind of like, you know, yeah. the like the an ability not to be, you know, just you can't relate with this person mm-hmm. from from some way, you know. And so, that. you know, I think it's important for people to remember, you know, as we process this, that, you know, this is a big machine, you know, and that there are forces at work that Donald Trump, I think, are just maybe trying to confuse us from from settling on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and, you know, I think that that. You know, it really is something that will that will make the next couple of years very challenging mm-hmm. to figure out how to attack this whole thing. Because, you know, who are we fighting? You know, we don't even know. You know, in the media, mm-hmm. we, people think that the media, even though it's there, that they that it tells them everything that they like. The media is being honest to a certain degree of that. What's in the media is going to be exactly what's happening. But I don't think it is. You know, no. I think that it's it's a play. You right, know, right. And I'm sure that you know, you being in policy, you would definitely like. You, yeah. you could see you could see how that can. Oh, manifest. you see a lot of the ploys that are mm-hmm. easily there and you kind of read through the lines mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of see like, you know, like, I mean, I definitely try not to take just one outlet and just let that be my only source of getting information. Like I try to like look around the different areas because you might have like obviously uh, there's places like Fox News that have more conservative views. Mm-hmm. So like when they like, you know, produce media, it'll have an entirely different spin than probably like Huffington Post or something like that. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just want to like always kind of you know look at different spots and you can kind of make your own decision pretty much after that. But as far as reading too much into it, you kind of can't. You know, you're not really the people who are really calling the shots. It's all about what they're pretty much able to say, even though technically they have the right to say whatever they want. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. So yeah, it's but, pretty interesting. But in regards to media, majority of Americans don't really explore those different outlets. Yeah. They, they stick with what what pretty much confirms their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of hard to say, all right, um, Trump supporters don't believe what everything the Fox news says, you know, they're not looking out for your best interest. Right. But you also have the president saying, Oh, CNN is fake news. You know, the MSNBC, New York times are fake news. And so Trump, Trump supporters in a lot of cases are so, um, so far aligned with his, his perspective and his his ideals that they'll believe anything that he says. And so Mm -hmm. you, the way media is working nowadays, especially in this time, it, it's difficult to really understand what's true and what's false. Mm-hmm. Um, even I was watching Fox News the other day, and it takes such a, a right slant that <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable. It's like, do you really see the world this way? Yeah, and people do, and it's yeah, a, it's, it's like another dimension, or something. right? It is, and it's it's kind of scary to see what's going to happen in terms of um, the controlling of the of the message. Mm-hmm. If you, when you control the message, you control the people. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable because Trump, he said this in plenty of interviews. He said, actually, prior to him running for the presidency, uh, I think it was around 15, 20 years ago, he did an interview and um, he was discussing about, uh, they asked him, would you think about running for president? Mm-hmm. And um, and if so, uh, you know, what party would you run for? And at the time, oh, he was yes. a Democrat. Right. Mm-hmm. And he literally says, you know, I'm, going, I'm probably going to run for the Republican Party. And those idiots are probably going to vote for me, mm. and I probably win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and you know, and again, he said it in a uh, while he was campaigning. Uh, he said in a press conference uh, that pretty much he can go out in the middle of New York and shoot somebody, mm-hmm. and he'll still win. Yeah. Right. That's how much right. this, I guess, I don't know, brainwash people are in America today. Yeah. And it's it's really scary. Yeah. It's really scary. Like, you know, I had opportunity. I knew he was going to win uh, during Halloween weekend uh, when I went because I live uh, on the border of uh, Detroit and Warren on the Detroit side. And so we were traveling up to Quinder all the way up to 27 Mile. And uh, we were going to the Apple Orchard. And, um, you know, getting a fresh apple cider and, mm-hmm, and right. you know, those hot donuts. And right. like Sounds that. good. Right Making me hungry. Real good. Right? Real good. <laughs> and, you know, the farther I went out, <laughs> the bigger the Trump signs were. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Like true. the bigger. Like it took up whole barns, mm-hmm. whole houses. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting up here in my, you know, little neighborhood in Detroit. Mm. Um, with, you know, my Hillary sign and, the, and, the, and a couple Hillary signs that I got from my. Uh, from my neighbors, and you know, people weren't as excited um, in the inner cities as they were uh, back in 08 and 12 for Obama. And it's just the simple fact that they were trying to paint Hillary as you know uh, to to take on Obama's legacy. Mm-hmm. And um, in reality, we didn't really see her 
in that light. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, we know what the Clintons stood for. Right. Uh, we know what the 94 crime bill did. Um, uh, you know, my father was locked up from that 94 crime bill and a lot of, uh, minorities, particularly young black males at the time were locked up. Um, a lot of people, uh, were affected by that NAFTA deal, um, which, you know, took a lot of jobs away from people and, you know, they resonated even in our culture, in our cities, in our inner cities, uh, they resonated with Trump's economic message. Um, that Hillary and the Democrats weren't really, you know, tailoring their message to. And, um, you know, there were a lot of closet door mm-hmm. voters for Trump, just like there were a lot of closet door voters for Reagan back in the 80s, yeah, whether definitely. people want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to face it. Some of us put that man in there, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Trump said in an interview, he's like, what do you have to lose by mm-hmm. voting for me? And, you know, a lot of times, whether you're Republican or Democrat, it really doesn't help. Uh, the majority of people of color, in particular black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, the two-party system uh, hasn't done anything for us, I would say, in the, in the last 50 years. Um, you know, we're celebrating a lot of our civil rights icons. You know, we just celebrated MLK's birthday. And it's amazing. They fought for civil rights, not equal rights, right. civil. Mm-hmm. Just to have, you know, ability to like, look, do not beat me anymore mm-hmm. in the streets. Don't beat me publicly. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, covert that racism. So we experienced that. Um, and now we're going back to an age where it's overt. Right. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to be told to your face that you're worthless, mm-hmm. that we are three-fifths of a person. We always have been that. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed. You're still in the constitutional language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't. <laughs> right. yeah. It does not say in the Constitution that black folks have the right to vote. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They back in twenty twelve, was it in twenty twelve, the Supreme yeah, Court yeah, the took sign. out section five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right after they took that major section out, thirty three states in the union yeah. passed what is called photo ID laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Photo ID. And you know, I think I think, you know, to to branch off that point, you know, I think that we are kind of getting into an era where, you know, I think you know, the black community and, you know, other other minority communities that exist in this country, you know, who are struggling with, you know, kind of swimming against the current, mm-hmm. you know, in that same way. I think it's it's it really does point to some kind of like just community like engagement that is really needed, because I feel like at a certain point, you know, I don't know how you guys feel, but, you know, you get tired of asking for things. Right. You know, you get get tired of, of expecting someone to just hand you good treatment on a platter like you you're a human you you Mm -hmm. inhabit this earth like you deserve to be you know allowed to live like you deserve you know you you deserve to be able to feel like you're part of a community right you 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 deserve to feel like you're part of the whole you know in a sense you know and i think that you know what what this calls upon us you know as we see like you said like you know we're not for the last 50 years, it doesn't really feel like we're, you know, because, yeah, civil civil rights, you know, was it was not even that like that long ago. So true. 70 years, mm-hmm. 60 years, 60, yeah. you know, there are people who are still alive, you know, who in their lifetime, you know, were were seen as, you know, just 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 less than, mm. you know, in a real legal sense. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you know, I think it really just kind of behooves all of us to really kind of look inside and des- and decide how we can empower our communities, you know, or how anyone, any minority can p- empower their communities, make themselves a microcosm of mm. like real strength and dignity, you know, that they can they can. And that and that's what gives, I think, people bargaining power, yeah. you know, and it seems weird to, to even call it that still. True. But that's true. Like, you know, you have to show muscle with your community. You know, not just physical strength, but you have to show like intellectual and like just 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 community strength, yeah, you know, and, I, and I've, I've always felt, you know, my parents are, you know, are, are immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, they came from Guyana, you know, and so they've had a very um, unique road, mm-hmm. you know, in this country already. And so, you know, I, I feel like that benefited me from the standpoint that, you know, I get to perceive like at, at the same time, you know, two different kind of ways of life, you know, as a minority yeah. in, in, the, in America, you know, and one thing that really is, is, is a constant vein between one over the other 
is that Caribbean people or African people or people who come from this other country in a different state, you know, because a black Americans, you know, we were born here and we're just kind of like still grasping at right. a lot of straws as far as like where our identity comes from. But, you know, these people, you know, they come from a different and they, and they stick together like mm. they go to their community events. They, you know, they 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 make it a village, you know, for the mm. young people. You know, they really kind of work together. And I feel like that's really what's needed for, you know, a lot of kind of like long term minorities in this country. Like that's I feel like that's been missing for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's what that's the great thing that, um, you know, the last week or so has showed us. Um, It showed us that people are willing to come together over a a central issue that's important. They're able to to peacefully, um, you know, protest the government and and the wrongs that the government brings upon the people. And I think that this is only one step in a greater, you know, greater tapestry um, that's going to be the next four years. And so it's about collectively um, coming together, collectively pointing out those wrongs and not being afraid to challenge the the status quo. Um, and it's starting with the young people, starting with the, the individuals who are 18 years old in the high schools right now, who in, in two to four years are going to be a voting age. Uh, it's about going to them, showing them that it's important to um, be a part of the, the political discussion. It's important not to, you know, you don't have to conform to any Republican or Democratic standards, but it's important to be um, aware and informed about the issues that not only face your community, but face the country as a whole and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you're doing a little bit of work. You talked about it earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're working on um, with, uh, oh. oh, okay. Uh, we're working with, um, in particular, this guy named uh, Vernon Allen. Mm-hmm. And um, he's an um, older gentleman that's been in politics for a long time in the city of Detroit, lifelong Detroiter. Um, and he's currently on the board of trustees for the Wayne County Community College. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was in the 90s. He worked as the deputy city clerk mm-hmm. under uh, Detroit City Clerk uh, Jackie Curry. And uh, he came up with the idea of getting at that time the young people involved between the ages of 18 and 35 um, those were uh, that group voted the least wow. amongst any age group, mm-hmm. which is still true to this day. But at that time, um, he decided to really focus on that group to try to get them inspired to come out and vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he did was uh, he introduced a program called Election Ambassadors, uh, which is an amazing program um, that got ended up being dismantled very early, but made an effect in the 92 Bill Clinton election. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go back to the record rolls, you'll see over 60 percent of Detroiters came on and vote mm-hmm. who was registered to vote. Amazing. And um, and it it wasn't even that high for Obama, I believe. Wow. I think it was 40 percent of Detroiters mm-hmm. who came out to vote mm-hmm. um, back in 08. And it's uh, and it hasn't reached that uh, era since, yeah. you know, that uh, that percent. And so what we're looking to do is bring that back, um, really get young folks involved. Uh, throw events particularly catered mm-hmm. to them um, and, you know, really talk about the issues and how politics affects everyday life. Yeah. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, we are following guidelines, mm-hmm. regulations, mm-hmm. law, statutes every single day. Everything we do. That dictates yeah. our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And folks really don't understand that. And so, you know, I'm working with them and a few other people. Uh, Scott Holiday, who was a young brother who just got elected to uh, Wayne County Board of Trustees mm-hmm. um, and um, some other folks. And we're looking to bring that back. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully in the next you know, two years, by 2018, uh, you'll see an effect of young folks in Detroit voting um, because this is our city. Uh, I mean, just take and I'll describe my state rep election real quickly. Um, in my district, I ran for state rep third district mm-hmm. um, in 2016. Um, and the primaries were August 2nd. In my district alone, I have close to 95,000 people. Out of the 95,000 people in my district, I have 53,000 who are registered to vote. Um, Guess how many people voted in 2014? I want to say in the primary. Less than uh, 5,000. You're close. Mm. Uh, Around 9,000 folks came out to vote. Mm. And um and then this year in the primary, uh, it was less. Around seven thousand wow. came out, and so if you really think about it, that's less than seven percent. 
Man. of people. Mm-hmm. And you know how these districts are drawn up. In the city of Detroit, they're a mostly Democratic districts. Mm-hmm. My district is 97% Democrat. And so you don't really make your decision in the general election in November. You make your decision in the primary. And I and it's hard to really get people to, you know, uh, really conceptualize this because really our primary is our general Mm -hmm. because you're choosing from the big pool. There was seven of us running for the Democrat nominee. You're you're choosing from us in order to represent you Mm -hmm. in Lansing. And, you know, most folks. Are going by name recognition, right? Uh, which is, uh, uh, it might be a good thing, and it's also a bad thing, <laughs> because most of the time, just because you got a big name doesn't actually necessarily mean you represent those people's interests. Mm-hmm. And just because you're a Democrat, right, in the city of Detroit, right. so and so. your clan, you're part of this Democratic Party, doesn't necessarily mean you represent the people's interests. Mm-hmm. And we have to get out this whole two party system mentality, and it's going to be hard. Um, and it's going to take some time, um, but we're 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 working on it, and hopefully yeah. we'll see you know dividends pay out in the future. Yeah, I definitely believe the two party system. You know, it's it's outdated, it's antiquated um, system. But I think though, if you look at what happened in the the general elections with the for the presidential race, a lot of Hillary voters or would would be Hillary voters went to Gary Johnson or or Jill Stein. Um, so do you think that that opens up a door to, to other role candidates potentially winning? Uh, yes, uh, I would say, um, you know, they excited a lot of folks um, because folks are tired of this whole establishment. And I, I, I would think that's why people ended up voting uh, for Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people voted for Trump because he was anti-D.C. Right. He was a business guy. He wasn't a typical politician. Mm. And people were just tired of being lied to. Uh, they really want the truth. <laughs> how ironic. <laughs> how, how ironic. Right. And they really want people to say how they feel. I just right. feel like and you should so, never be, like, so tired that, you know, you're being lied to. Exactly. That you just stop, like, challenging yourself to, like, figure out if someone's lying to you. Right. That's <laughs> true. true. And then the whole Trump's appeal, man, it was just like, oh, he says whatever he wants. Yeah. He's the average Joe. In reality, he wasn't the average Joe. Mm-hmm. In reality, average, he started off rich. Like, so he's yeah. a never average Joe. Got that loan from his father, a million-dollar loan. Right. right. A small, he, said, he said a small million-dollar loan. Small million-dollar loan. Right. Well, Can I have right a small mind. loan? Right. I need it to pay off my small loan. In our communities. All right. Let me get a small loan from exactly. somebody. Right. Exactly. Help exactly. Because Sally Mae calling right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to bring up this point, and I was talking with uh, Mr. Vernon Allen, uh, the Honorable Vernon Allen. I like to you know praise him because he's done a lot of good work, and he was, and he's been one of my mentors along the way. And what he described to me was, um, if you look at Black Enterprise, mm-hmm. and if you look at uh, the top five hundred millionaires, Black millionaires. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of millionaires, black millionaires specifically, um, in the country reside in southeastern Michigan. Mm. Wow. Mm. Reside in southeastern Michigan. So that's metro Detroit area. Mm. Wow. And a lot of folks don't even know that, first of all. I didn't. I didn't know that. And so, you know, what are we going to do to try to engage them mm. as politicians, as community activists, to get them involved and put their money behind us because it's all about money in this game of politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about who's supporting you. Follow the money trail. Those are the people who influence these decisions on these politicians. Mm-hmm. Because guess what politicians care about the most? Care about those votes? <laughs> Being reelected. Yeah. And how do you get reelected? Depending yeah, yeah. is how much money that That's money true. runs this train. That's true. Not just gerrymandering, <laughs> but this money reigns this train. It creates yeah. your name and your brand. It mm. takes money for that. It takes money to pay for these lawn signs. It takes money to pay for campaign literature. It right. takes money to pay for volunteers. Mm-hmm. That's ironic because we're paying volunteers. They're not volunteers. Yeah. They're paid canvassers. Yeah. They're p- people who are actually being paid to, uh, you know, racking them those cell phone bills in order to call on behalf of you for your uh, campaign. So it takes a lot of money to run this operation. And so we need to get involved with our black folks who are got this, you know, they were blessed enough to have, you know, millions of dollars in a million dollar company. Um, let's get them involved and mm-hmm. in what we're doing. Let's sit down and have a conversation and say, look, let's strategize. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he, uh, Mr. Vernon Allen told me about Coleman Young, mm-hmm. which is so amazing. We haven't had that since where Coleman and my uncle used to work in his administration and he would just tell me before he died, Coleman used to bring 
everybody. I mean, everybody. City workers. Mm. Uh, if you represent some portion of the city of Detroit, you were in this meeting. Wow. If you had some type of influence and you're going to strategize with me and build a 30, 40, 50 year plan. Mm. And something black folks don't do that white folks do very well mm. is that they succession plan. Mm. That they That's plan, true. like yeah. literally. And I had the opportunity working in the state house for uh, the Detroit delegation. And in that meeting back in from 2010 to 14, and in one of those years, we were discussing what was called the Grand Bargain Deal, mm-hmm. which uh, got the city of Detroit out of bankruptcy in a 10-month process, which historically is unheard of. Yeah, that's- Detroit ranked on a Fortune 500 company, they're ranked in the top 100. So it was the biggest municipal bankruptcy in the history of the world. Mm. And so in order to get that done, you had to get some things planned out and worked out. And so I had opportunity being the youngest one in the room with the governor, with Governor Snyder at the time and with all Detroit reps. And they were presenting their plan to us. Mm. And I was the youngest black uh, person in the room. And there were so many young white folks in the room. And it's something because we don't do mentorship. We don't mm. we don't lift each other up as black folks. And mm. I'm really focusing on us black folks because we're the ones that, to be honest, that I care about, that mm. I look like, that I am surrounded by, and that mm. I grew up with. Yeah. These are the people who raised me. And these are the people that we need to be fighting for. And, you know, from that standpoint, like, what is the ask? You know? Yeah. And that's where, you know, because I feel like we, we, we definitely understand that. You know, and, and we've all seen it in action. Mm-hmm. Like we all, you know, I'm sure, you know, you specifically, you know, you know, getting the chance to interact with a lot of people at varying different levels of status, mm-hmm. you know, in the black community. You know, what what is the S? What is the fatal flaw? here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that's and that's the hard thing it is for me to imagine, because, you know, for me. And, and, you know, it, maybe it always seems like, you know, you, you know what you would do being outside of a situation. But when you're in it, you know, it creates other considerations but you know i feel like if i were ever to arrive at a place of real success like that Mm. you know how would i get involved Mm. you know and what would i do what would i would i necessarily feel galvanized in any sort of way Mm. you know does the black community feel like they're like does it feel like it has enough momentum to allocate resources to and have Mm. them actually take to anyone you know, and, and these are the kinds of things I think that maybe these people are thinking of. Right. But at the same point, like, you know, at, we're at a stage where, you know, it really just has to be action oriented. You know, it has to be like, what what can we do to make you feel like you have a vested mm-hmm. interest mm-hmm. in participating? You know, maybe it's that they don't see the benefit. Maybe they don't feel like maybe it's just people are feeling discouraged with, mm-hmm. you know, how strong their commu- they can make their, you know, just from w- one actor, you know. And then you see people who pass down these kind of like, you know, attempts every now and like Big Sean, I know, has been real active, like, yeah. you know, just to, you know, to pivot slightly to like the Flint water crisis, which yeah. is still going on. Raising $100,000 for him. Yeah, yeah. $200,000. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, a blessing. Yeah. You know, and that's a great <laughs> thing. That's a great thing. But how can we get more people to do that? Mm. You know, what, what, and just, you know, to my original point, like, what is the ask? Like, what is the, sure. I don't know, like, you know, yeah. and it's hard to say, but, you know, I really, I feel like if anything, you know, something that we all should be really turning our attention to is not only engaging these people, just like mm-hmm. you said, but also finding ways to put yourself individually, the individual in a, in a, in a position of influence. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like that position of influence can happen in smaller ways, mm-hmm. you know, that will have will have greater yield. Right. Like, for example, if someone can say, you know, I want to provide for, you know, I want to elevate my family or I want to elevate my immediate community. I want to mm-hmm. elevate you know, my group of friends, you know, I want to start a business, you know, collaborating between different people in different industries, right. coming together and giving someone like a tangible benefit in some way. Right. You know, I think that 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 can happen so that the growth can happen in small waves. But, you know, that always also has to be tempered with, you know, a real call to action in a greater sense, you know, and that's also another kind of hard challenge to really look look forward ahead. Mm. You know, it's, you know it's, it's the thing where um, we haven't been taught to use our, our resources collectively. That's, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times mm-hmm. in our community, it's, it's all right, I'm going, you, you get yours, however way you're going to get it, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. And they don't tell you um, that it's important also, you know, extend your hand, you know, help somebody else up. And I was saying this in an episode before, I think it was maybe two episodes ago. Um, the black community is one of the few communities that doesn't have a, 
a truly thriving like middle class, like upper middle class, you either see the extremes, the two extremes. You see the extremely wealthy, those athletes, those musicians, those superstars, or you see the extremely poor. And so um, not having that, uh, those, those individuals who fall in that middle and not having those examples for our youth, they really, they only think it's one way to get money. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to hustle, got to sell drugs, or I got to go ahead and, and, and hoop. Play football. Yeah. Well, I like to chime in on that, speaking especially because I'm a, a millennial, or I'm like, you know, I was born in '95, so like, I feel like okay. it's a yeah, I know, right? Don't, Young brother, no. Young that's man. a good thing. You see, making yeah. moves already. Though. I'm up here with y'all, you know. Yeah, you, but you um, need, man. but um, one thing I will say is, I think it's a multitude of things that like we encountered that we faced in that previous history has created for the you know youth now in the position that we are in as far as trying to make trends and ways for you know increasing votership increasing mm-hmm. uh the way you perceive like how you should be actually being fiscally conservative and saving your money and paying you know paying yourself first before paying for anything else to some brand or anything like you know so i think it's a lot of things in that one definitely starts with your environmental basis mm-hmm. i mean people got to think the crack boom in Detroit happened in the 80s. Why did that happen? Because, what, crack was introduced, like, what, in the late 70s, early 90s. First it was cocaine, a big old right. boom of cocaine. Then it turned into, you know, free base, like crack or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got that going on. So you got pretty much this lost generation of a lot of, you know, drug abusers mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, parents of kids who were drug abusers who, like, were mm-hmm. misguided. And they didn't really have many people to look up to besides people who were also selling drugs like that, right? So then you get a generation that come in, and they're under the people who did drugs, who passed away from drugs, who mm-hmm. were selling drugs. They don't really have anything left, so they don't have anything to show them that there is a better opportunity when you look outside your house and all you see is abandoned buildings and this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go to this school that they're trying to, you know, give you this education to tell you what this is the world is like in this, but, like, your reality is not that, mm-hmm. and you're completely right. trapped in that. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem with our generation is that we know that those things are tangible that they are achievable that we can reach them but we are so stuck in like that mindset shift of just like only being contempt with okay I'm doing enough to get by mm-hmm. so that's okay mm-hmm. instead of oh I can do more but I don't want to risk and take no chances because what if I don't make it or what if I don't do is mm-hmm. good but I'm good right here I got a decent right. amount of money so I'm gonna do that and it's like people don't really want to reach for the impossible anymore and like break that glass ceiling true. I think that's so a true. very big true. issue so you know mm-hmm. because they don't want to step outside of the normal basis of how you get that like kind of mm-hmm. how you were saying of only selling drugs and uh, mm-hmm. you know or playing sports or being a musician like me like I played basketball I was all right but i was a better debater right and that mm-hmm. got me scholarships to college that right. got me traveling around the country places i've never been before yeah. like i was in my sure. i was in michigan my almost my entire life i've never mm-hmm. traveled until it gave me the opportunity to say like i wanted to be different and mm-hmm. i didn't care about what other people around me said mm-hmm. i just wanted right. to get it because i want to be able to spread that wealth to everybody else because i never wanted to be like you know i always felt like i want to be humble about it as well and not right. just like go around and just like mock about it but it's like okay you got that but what are you doing to help the next person next mm-hmm. to you you yes. got a friend and and you getting this money, but he kind of sitting on his toes and he wondering, okay, you got your come up, but can you help me out? Mm-hmm. But you just kind of like, oh, I'll get you later. I'm on my come up. It's like, right. no, it's like, what's the point? Y'all come up at the same time. Y'all right. be making it two times. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, kind of like you were saying, the the kind of communal basis of, you know, like what we really need to do. I think mm-hmm. it's something we need, really need to inspire. Because like right yeah. now, I just started yeah. something small. I just commented on Facebook and said I want to start a book club. And I was like 20 people yes. responded. So now I'm in the process mm-hmm. of like about to yep. really start a book club where yep. we're about to start deciding what book do we want to start in the actual name so we can make a Facebook group name and everything and that's, that's just amazing. like people that is my age that's mm-hmm. like okay we tired of the same regular oh let's just go party go out on the mm-hmm. weekends let's mm-hmm. do this and that and let's actually like try to educate ourselves to you know create some motivation to move people next to us because mm-hmm. we all from the same environment so if somebody that we close to seeing us doing that that's a way that they getting on and being like yeah. okay they doing something you get what I mean so mm-hmm. it's like that's just really what it is it's like you have to be able to step outside of that and be like I'm more than just like you know what another the person mm-hmm. next to me perceives me as or mm-hmm. you know what somebody else previously told me because they were angry because they were envious or jealous mm-hmm. you know jealous and they didn't want to see you make it like no I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna be myself and it's like mm-hmm. that's pretty much what's gonna get me to where I need to be you know and yeah. that's just how it's going to lie yeah. seriously you know and I think you speak a lot to the, like the, the real fear like that exists yeah. stepping outside of your comfort zone definitely you know yeah. with people like you know for example this is this might be a like kind of a weird example but I was actually I was standing in Meyer the other day and um, I was, you know, just just waiting to pay for my stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember these two um, these two black gentlemen, you know, uh, came up behind me, you know, and you feel like you see like the same kinds of things like you regardless of who it is like, you know, they were buying some Bud Light Platinum 
and they were buying a bunch of Hennessy. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm just like, right, right. and I was just had I had to think like, how many times have I seen those two things? And the you know, even things like you know, when Alize was a thing, you know, it's it's like we we come together as a community about really trivial things, right? You know, but you know, with that comes like a real, I think, fear. Of like you said, like doing things that, you know, seem like weird, you know, or seem like offbeat, you know, for someone like, you know, you want that at least that basic acceptance. You know, I feel like, you know, there needs to be a higher level of acceptance that we need to promote, you know, that you can do things like, you know, I think it's great that you're starting a book club. Like, I think that's amazing. Like, I think more people just need to have more experiences. You know, people need to do things that they're just interested in. And that requires people to look in themselves, you know, and really feel comfortable with the things that they want, the things that they desire, you know, and not in a lot of ways that you know has implications and like you know in this in the same vein of thought as like the gay rights you know mm-hmm. movement like you know you want to inspire people to be comfortable with whatever you want like right. whatever you mm-hmm. w- want in your life you need to feel like you can you can attain that and you won't be suppressed from that right you know and so you know i think i, I think that that is a, a perfect you know a, a brilliant point you know to make about where we are right now mm-hmm. true you know we got a lot of fear you know we a lot need to of overcome fear. that yeah we yeah. need to overcome that and we also need to you know, create our own. That's why I love the millennials and then the centennials who are coming after us. Yeah. Uh, they're called, I think they're called uh, Generation, Generation uh, Alpha or something. Or like Alpha Squared no, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So they name it the centennials. And so, you know, they create their own lane. And it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. But we can't forget that, you know, let's not recreate the re- wheel here. Let's see what's actually out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see people who are actually doing what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe partner mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, uh, go out there and shadow them and then come back and say, look, we can do this better. We can do this better. Right. But, you know, something we fail at as a people is building those coalitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, take one example. Um, case in point is uh, the Livernoy Corridor. Uh, in particular, that seven-mile Livernoy corner. Mm-hmm. Um, that corner has been uh, deactivated for some years now. And um, and I know this because I'm kind of privy to some information, but I'll, I'll share it. To, I'll share it. To you. There were four the black. There were four black people uh, in this room discussing how to reactivate that space on the corner of Semon Livernoy, mm-hmm. um, and they couldn't come together. Wow, they couldn't come together. And it was prime time real estate. You know, Livernoy is booming. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're about to build a Bucharest yeah. Yeah. there. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable what's happening. Yeah, the Cuzzos over there. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Cuzzos, yeah, uh, yeah. 1917 American Bistro yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Don Sturdivant. Yep, those are yeah. my guys over there. And so um, it's it's unbelievable. And and the mayor decided, like, look, man, we need to actually reactivate this space. Mm-hmm. And our opportunity passed. Mm-hmm. And they got some other folks to come in. And this is what, you know— really irks me as a people we we have to just put our egos aside and work together and let's work and see what's best for our community Mm -hmm. and and i'm glad you're starting up that book club and that reminded me of what uh black bottom collective has been doing Mm -hmm. they've been doing the book club uh for months now Mm -hmm. and so i don't i haven't seen them meeting in in as lately but maybe you want to get connected with them Mm -hmm. possibly uh you know maybe work on you know the book selection and, and just Get more people involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really oh, what it's about. I'm more than open to pretty much anybody yeah, engaging. Yeah. Too. I mean, you can find me on Facebook. It's just my regular name, sure. Garcel Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I pretty much open it up the space to pretty much anybody as far as the book and like the genre. Exactly. Uh, there's no specific one. It's kind of like everybody that's yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. We will decide what we'll read as opposed to being like, oh, I started the group. Let we're doing this book, yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody's just like, but we don't like this, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure it's something that everybody is like, you know, wants to engage in. So whether it's like deep critical race theory yeah. or it's you know books about self-investment as far as financially or just in yourself mm-hmm. as far as your spiritual you know what I'm saying yeah. investment or anything you know or you know a lot of things it, yeah. it can pretty much you know anything you want to bring to the table when everybody's you know intrigued and interested to read that's just what we're going to put on the table yeah. and come back and you know discuss it and pretty much that's what it'll be because sometimes people especially young folks younger mm-hmm. folks feel like they're by themselves yeah. and yeah. you know we need to we need to call I mean may, or I don't know whoever's listening to this podcast right now <laughs> They need to understand, (laughs) you know, that you're not alone, Mm -hmm. that there's so many people out here who are literally on the same grind, the same mindset as you. You just need to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's so hard because social media, it's it's a great way to connect with folks, but it's also a hindrance. 
Yeah, it's you know, because really because look, these, narcissistic there's so many people next to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right now, in your neighborhoods mm-hmm. that you probably never even talked to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, it's like a playground for your psychosis. Exactly. And and the funny thing too, when you going back to what you're saying that that you know us as black people, we we do bond over the trivial things. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Black Twitter. We we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we come together. We tweet about uh, the new edition story for three nights straight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Which but we, was that was like two months. Right. Right. But but we, <laughs> won't, we won't be like like let's make this business model exactly to start using, like it, company or something. And it's that easy. It's about reaching out to someone someone who you may know you may not know and saying hey. I got this idea. Let's come together. Let's form yes. this and get it done. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's simple. It's just about changing that that mindset mm-hmm. is that we're not all we're not the crabs in the bucket. You know, mm-hmm. we can we can work together. All get out the bucket if you want to, mm-hmm. True. you know, just True. grab each other, pull each other up. Mm-hmm. And it's about, um, you know, investing your money in the right things. Don't waste it on on, on things that, that that have no value. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Start businesses, um, you know, invest in stock, invest in your 401k, invest mm-hmm. in your IRA. Things like that, just just basic skills that we weren't taught in our schools. You know, unfortunately, we may not have the, the, the family or parents who, who uh, were privy to those that information, so they couldn't teach us that. Right. But we can teach each other. Now that we know, we can always yeah. teach each other. Exactly. And going off your point, um, don't ever be afraid to ask for money. And that's something I've been learning um, as I get older. Um, being in politics or if you want to be in business or whatever, right. don't be afraid to ask for money because money can be a blessing. It's not necessarily people calling it an evil. Mm-hmm. I say it's a, tool it's a tool if you use it in the right way. And, you know, most of the time, folks, I've been I've been I've been around a lot of black folks and a lot of different statuses. Mm-hmm. And most of the time we're afraid to ask for money. Yeah. We're afraid to ask for, you know, that money to use to, you know, produce this opportunity. Mm. Um, and entrepreneurship is a thing. Uh, you might get denied from the bank, but you know, don't be afraid to ask those black billionaires, hint, hint that we have in Metro Detroit area. Don't be afraid to do your research and start asking and connecting with these brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. who pretty probably have the same experiences as you do. Right. Mm. Um, nine times out of 10. And so, you know, we as a people need to come together and, Again, don't be afraid to ask for money, man. Don't be f- be afraid to ask for those opportunities, mm. because you know preparation plus opportunity equals success. Right, right. And uh, you know, come together, right? Don't just come together saying, "Look, I got this idea." Right. Mm-hmm. Flush that out, you mm-hmm. know, maybe before asking for that money. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's twenty people with the same <laughs> true, idea, right? True, right. true. Don't be, yeah, don't be afraid, but flush that idea out. Come together with a plan and say, "Look, can you help me with this?" Mm. And I found out in the Jewish community. Some of their small businesses fail nine, nine to eighteen times before a success. Most of them fail before they yeah, succeed. Yeah, before they succeed. Yeah. And you know, for us, we might fail one or two times and, and say, "Look, we we're done." Yeah, I'm gonna go work for somebody else and make their ideas come true. Because right. it's all about what you're gonna be a worker, you're gonna be a leader. That's true. That's true. Flat out, there's only two people in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, what you want to be? Yeah, man, that's, that's the question, man. That's 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 the thing that you know. A lot of times, personally. You know, I um I talk about it in my head. I battle with like, do I want to be that person that's this behind the desk providing my ideas, providing you know my energy and time to to someone else, or is it about me mm-hmm. using my skills and my assets mm-hmm. to to go ahead and produce what I believe is is my vision, you mm-hmm. know, my dream. So it's about it's about not being afraid, not being afraid to step mm-hmm. outside that comfort zone. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we get so comfortable with these jobs, like oh, it's a steady paycheck. This and that. But if you never take that risk, you never know where it's going to lead. Exactly. And so that's one thing that we all need to work on, regardless of, um, you know, where you are in life. It's about, you know, taking that step and really, really going on your own and, and trying to see how far you can push that boundary. Yeah. yeah. Sure. 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 And, and, oh, I, I did want to bring up the topic of, of education. I know um, recently we saw I saw articles. They're going to close about 30 schools across the state of Michigan. Um, so I want to touch on this briefly because I know time is starting to run out. But um what what effect? I know this, and I know you're, you're on your community in your district. You're, you're hoping to represent. Um, you said the majority of schools are closing in that area. Yes, okay, on, so. on the east side, mm. both uh, northeast and lower east side, and they're closing all the high schools, all the wow. public <laughs> high schools, uh, which is a shame. Um, and it's it's a lot of issues they they're claiming because the whole restructuring process. Um, with the now the Detroit Community School District, mm-hmm. um, they thought at the time that it allows them to at least get 
some leeway and more years uh, before closing. Yeah. Um, but the governor and, and Attorney General Bill Schuette, because he's looking to run for governor in 2018, hmm. he probably wants to make a play. So he wants to make a statement that says, look, let's close down all these quote-unquote horrible schools mm. uh, that are not performing well. In reality, uh, there's a lot of intricacies that go into yeah. a performance. Right. And um, if you look at the stat, uh, 80%, I think, no, it was like 40% of school children on any given school day mm. in the city of Detroit are testing. Mm. They're taking a test. Yep. Too much testing, too much right. focus mm-hmm. on standardized exams. Instead of figuring out how to make this person, uh, I guess, how to build human capital, how to make this person a productive citizen. Yeah, I would like more skills. social learning, yeah. more critical thinking, yeah. and we're kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was part of, a, I guess, one of the last generations, people would say. I was born in 92, uh, uh, graduated from Renaissance in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um and they claim that we were the last ones to get all of our fundamentals, mm. like some of us. And right. then the whole no child left behind that came in and just destroyed all of that mm-hmm. and just pushed a lot of kids ahead without them actually, you know, um, getting those proper skills. Yeah. And um, a lot of times we're testing, uh, and I've talked to a lot of teachers. My uh, girlfriend was a former teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's in law school, and all of her friends are teachers currently, and they're mm-hmm. telling me, you know, it's too much focus on the test instead of figuring out how to balance a checkbook, how how to even write pay a letter, taxes, pay taxes, man. How to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how to even pay Life bills. Skills. I right. mean, it's, it's very simple things that mm-hmm. we need to learn mm-hmm. um, that we're not learning in school. Right. And, you know, and that's why, you know, uh, that's why, you know, it's, it's I, I, I dare say that, you know, a lot of this, you know, what we were kind of talking about outside before we came in, you know, what does this even really start? In the schools, really. Mm. Like, I feel like people need to – this goes back to, you know, the community building thing. Like, right. people need to be willing to teach each other these things. Right. You know, though, with a few – I don't want to say the few of us, but, you know, the smaller minority of people who do know these things, mm-hmm. you know, really need to get into the ears of people who could actually use those, you know, these tools. And, you know, that creates, like, a, a greater, I think, critical understanding of the world, mm-hmm. you know, which has implications. It spills over into your, you know, motivation in school because you can see – you know, the you can see the the result. You know, yeah, a lot of times sure. I think a lot of people don't really feel like these things are important right. because they're not exposed to like them being important in real time. You know so what I mean? True. true. It's like it's like the talented tenth argument. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, there's a lot of folks who have the ability and the blessing to be educated. Mm-hmm. Right. Um on on this uh by PWIs or HBCUs, they mm-hmm. have a higher education. Um, and sometimes going to these places of higher learning um, creates I, – I, I think it creates a problem in a way because some folks think they're entitled and better than the people that they grew up with. Right. And so you get this situation where, uh, you know, take myself, for example. I came back to the city of Detroit um, after graduating from the University of Michigan, and a lot of folks ask me why I'm here. Yeah. Well, why, why did you come back? Wow. Yeah. Well, personally, for me, like going to a PWI like MSU is definitely mm-hmm. like uh, very go interesting green. to kind of see mm-hmm. how. Yeah. Right. Go green. Go right. Go, uh, go blue. It's <laughs> definitely, go right. blue. I'm the single one out. Go blue. I mean, let's go there for grad school. Right. But it's definitely interesting to really see, though, like how individuals in the classrooms, like how they kind of take it. Like you have some individuals are very serious, like pen and pad, like listening to the lecture, like really taking out notes. There are individuals who just kind of play around and talk to their friend or, or yeah. be on social media on their laptops. Then you have individuals who literally come in and just take screenshots of the slides mm-hmm. and they dip like mm-hmm. and that's all they need you know so definitely you can see that different type of aspect in different areas why it's really different I mean states don't even they don't have a federal kind of overview of what standardized test, mm-hmm. standardized testing in the books that they use like I mean there's schools in Texas that teach creationism and stuff like that and don't talk about evolution mm-hmm. but you have people in other states right. like you know that also teach that and just like how they skip like so much stuff in like exactly. history as far as just like the uh, what do they call it uh, well uh, in the books they call it the great migration Right. right after like they pretty much like slaves were free and they were basically escaping the south because they were getting killed and mm. had to seek refuge in the north and they call it like the great migration like they willingly went there for jobs no they were forced to go there so exactly. yeah I think that's just really interesting we got to change the way we get those we books do. out and what everybody learns is very 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 integral so real quick let's do a final the final words real fast for each each person 
Go ahead, Darcel. What's your final words on the topic? All right. Well, I de- first off, thank you for you know having me here. No I appreciate problem. it. Uh, like I said again, you can definitely look me up on Facebook, Darcel Brown, D A R C E L L Brown, and you can just look me up if you want to join the book club. If you're interested, if you just want to have a conversation, I'm fine with that as well. I'm also engaged in like policy debate. Uh, the Detroit Urban Debate League loves and loves like when I say love, they love having individuals that like mm-hmm. to participate and like to you know basically support it and like judge some debates. Even if you don't know, we can you know teach you. So. Uh, uh, they basically hosted at Wayne State, and uh, yeah, you can contact me for all of that. Uh, Brian, yep. Um, once again, you can uh, probably the best place to find me is on Instagram. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of a photographer by trade, and I, I like working a lot in social, um, you know, with, with like social issues. And I'm always open to working, you know, op- you know, to working with others on on projects that do impact the community in these types of ways. You know, I, I think we're all on a you know on a journey to understanding ourselves and. Our environment, and I think we all do need to work together. So I'm, you know, you can find me on Instagram at pretty underscore good. Um, that's where you know you'll find all my work, and that's the best place to contact me. Nice. Um, best place to contact me either Facebook. Uh, Facebook name is Donovan McKinney, D O N A V A N M C K I N N E Y. Probably gonna see my name on a ballot coming soon. Okay. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna keep doing this political thing, uh, community activist thing. And um, I guess my last words would be say, uh, history is written by the winners. Mm. Mm. It is. It well. is. Church. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you guys again. Um, you can follow the podcast on on Twitter at podcast cwt. Um, again, thank you all so much. Uh, great discussions. No we're gonna you. continue this in the future. Absolutely. Right.